Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the PigX Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Delaney Howell. This month, we've got two very special guests joining us to talk about swine survivability, Dr. Jim Pillen and Dr. Deb Murray. Now, these two have some great insight into the world of swine survivability, so I won't give too much of it away. But first up, let's turn it over to my conversation with Dr. Pillen, who's been in the swine industry for quite a few years, thanks to his family's operation. Luckily, we get to hear about that operation and upbringing from Dr. Pillen himself. My grandpa Pillen, who was a World War I veteran, and so 100 years ago in the 20s and early 30s, diversified farmer like everybody else. But the reason why he had pigs was to clean up behind the cows for lard and soap. And meat was a byproduct. So it's always one I think that's good for everybody to remember how much our industry has changed, how much the pig has changed. And uh, now the pig is feeding the world. It's extraordinary. And so, uh, yeah, really good. Been blessed. Got a great family. And uh, I learned a lot from my dad in the 60s and got to see the entire evolution of the of the pig business and kind of fortunate in Nebraska being on the ground floor from when early 440-style farms were built. Uh, I was a young veterinarian getting to be on the embryonic end of isoween technology and three-site production and eradicating pseudorabies and all those sorts of things that's been fun and rewarding and impactful and really, really cool to see what incredible progress our industry's uh, made. And as I always say, it's it's nothing but all about great people. And that's what really separates. There's a lot of different things technologically that can happen uh, maybe for some of the other proteins, but there's never, never going to be a replacement in the pig industry for great people. Whoever can have the greatest disciplined team of people's always going to find out a way to be successful. The pig business in the 1940s doesn't look a whole lot like today's business, but one thing we can't deny is that there has been incredible amounts of change in the way farms operate and raise their pigs. The Pillen family experienced that change, so let's learn a little bit more about how the business adapted and where it stands today. So today where we're at is uh, working really, really hard on being uh, multi-generationally successful. My two oldest children, Sarah and Brock, have been back 15 and 13 years and they're co-CEOs of our business and have had a huge hand in, uh, we've doubled the size of our business in the last 10 years and their leadership played a major role in that. And again, uh, you know, our, our principles of our, our principles and our culture are really, really important and stays focused on that. It's all about our land and our, our corn and our, our people. And, you know, how do we make things good for all the families and our rural communities? Cause it's a, cause it's a big deal. So our, our family has been very, very blessed and we've been blessed to have a lot of other families. I think we have over 1200 now believing in what we're trying to do and couldn't, couldn't be an ounce of success that we have is all because of the 1200 families that do the best they can every day. And by the way, we never say it enough. That means seven days a week. We obviously figure out how that we can all have great quality of life. But as we like to say, the pig needs us mm-hmm. seven days a week, even on Christmas morning. Uh, so I think those are things uh, for us all to remember is, is that uh, there might be days when it might look like it's just everything's perfect, but it's not. And, uh, you know, uh, it takes it takes all of us doing our best every day to be successful. I think if I've seen a major mistake with families, with businesses, let, let's just call it when there's really high prices and great margins Everybody takes breaths and relax and disciplines drop. Well, guess what? You can't get those back. 
And so I think the key uh, that we've been blessed with is to stay focused on doing our best every day and profitability or losses have nothing to do with that. You, you can only control what you can control. And I think that's a key focus that probably why most people are doing well today and, and still in business and is uh, staying, maintaining a discipline to be the best you can. Now, although there have been some major changes in the swine industry, some things have stayed the same. But they could be made different, or rather should be, as Dr. Pillen identifies when he realized what changes should be made in the industry in order to prosper. My epiphany shortly after I was out of veterinary school, and I was in a barn in an early morning in 1984, I was in there and, and the, the, the farmer was really had a lot of angst, had pigs dying, and he just said, Doc, my pigs are coughing and dying and you have to solve this now. As I say, after I was in the barn for 15 or 30 minutes, guess what I was doing? I was coughing and gagging and I was ready to die. That, that became a real big moment for me in that 95% of our problems are, are us, uh, people, that what we are or aren't doing or designed wrong and uh, not creating the perfect environment for our pigs. And so the most important of all that is air. And if we don't uh, as we've evolved in the industry and turning air and ventilation and temperature and wind speeds, that that's not changed. We have to meet the pig's comfort zone. Whoever's the best at meeting the pig's comfort zone, the pig does the best. And that's one that's stood the test of time. Aside from day-to-day -day operations, Dr. Pillen can also be found giving presentations and sharing his knowledge about the swine industry. During these presentations, he often likes to ask the crowd for some interaction, asking things like, what is one word that has the biggest impact on survivability? And though he gets a variety of responses, Dr. Pillen has his own answer to this thought-provoking question. So my answer is uh, simply the, the greatest challenge in our industry, right? And the pig is really, really a vulnerable mammal. And so the, my answer to the, the greatest impact towards survivability is, is the health of our animals. And so if uh, we all have uh, farms, we all have neighbor, we all have scenarios where people have been able to raise pigs in the history of the farm without PERS, without TG or PV and mycoplasma. So if you can maintain a disease-free, healthy pig, the survivability, it's a, it's a game changer. It's a game changer. So uh, if you can maintain, if you have the health and then the other 95%, I mean, you're hard out. And as I say, that's when raising pigs is really, really fun. It's really fun and challenging and always uh, invigorating. But when you don't have to deal with the disease, uh, you can really hit it out of the park on survivability. Another topic Dr. Pillen discusses is big picture barriers to accomplishing some of those goals, which we dove further into and figured out what that means. Well, I'd say that there are some things that if you if you get it wrong, you your survivability is going to be way down. If your farm gets purrs, y'all, you know you're going to lose. Depending on the level of iremia, you're you're going to lose ten percent in the nursery, and you're going to lose ten percent in the finisher almost no matter how good of a job you do of taking care of those pigs. So an example that I call fat sow, skinny sow, and I think we all agree that uh, the bigger the pig is when it's weaned, the, the greater probability of survival. So I'm a big time believer that uh, the only sow that can nurse 
and and uh, create the most milk for their pigs is a thin sow that will have superior intake during the lactation period. So I'm a skinny sow believer. So I'm saying if you if you have a fat sow herd, you're not going to wean as big a pigs and your survivability is going to be lower than a thin sow herd before you ever get out of the barn. Another intriguing question that Dr. Pillen likes to pose to his audiences is, would you rather be the firstborn in the litter or the biggest born in the litter? It's another one of those things that uh, maybe we're also intense in this business and sometimes big picture things we don't think about. And all of a sudden we wake up and go from a 12 total born to we're 17. And uh, there's lots of different strategies that have been worked on. But if you really think about things from a pig's perspective, and if you try to read a pig from their perspective, it kind of helps you see some big picture things. So a lot of people will say, hey, you know, and so today we have lots of sows having 16, 17, 20 total borns. So if you're a pig in that litter, do you want to be the the firstborn or you do you want to be the biggest pig? And several in the, said, in the session raised their hand and said, I want to be the biggest pig. And so the question for you is, is if you're number 20 born and you're the biggest pig, are you really sure you want to be that number 20? And the simple reason it could be, but the problem, the statistics is clear. If you do that study, that the biggest pig born number 20 has a lower chance of survivability solely because it didn't get enough colostrum. Just like a baby foal, if a baby foal is born, baby calf is born, even as a single, if they don't get their colostrum, they're uh, within the first 12 hours, the probability of their survival is really low, no matter what, no matter how awesome they are. So same thing goes with that number 20 pig born, even if it's the biggest. As we wrap up our conversation here with Dr. Pillen, let's put a bow on this discussion. He shares with us his basic summary of thoughts and a few take-home messages. I think that uh, the biggest mistake in my day would have been to the quest to be the best would be to make pig production too complicated. And so uh, I think uh, today, whatever the strategy you're going to have, if you, if we can't execute it 100% of the time, it's probably not a very effective strategy. So the simpler we can make it so we can execute it 100% of the time with all of the extraordinary people challenges we have, I think it's really important that we uh, really assess the value chain and say, okay, we need to, we need to make sure the things that really give us the best return of, of our work and i.e. that helps us have the most pigs survive. That's what we focus on. There might be some other things that really be good to get, but uh, let, let's make sure we really, that, that we block and tackle 100% effectively. And if we do that, then we can play winning ball. Well, what a fantastic conversation there with Dr. Pillen. And we're going to be continuing that fantastic discussion next with Dr. Deb Murray, a veterinarian at New Fashion Pork. But before we jump into that conversation, let's hear a little bit more about Dr. Murray's background. So I graduated in 2006 from the University of Minnesota and went to undergrad there and vet school both. And out of school, did mixed practice for about a year. So true mix, so cats, dogs, sheep, you know, pigs, horses. I tried not to do a lot of horses, but 
<laughs> but it was it was involved. And then after that, I actually came back up to Minnesota and then took the job with New Fashion and have been there ever since. So been there about 14 years now. So I grew up on a farm and it, it was, a, you know, crop, soybeans, corn. But then we had hogs, you know, mainly growing up. When I was real young, we had some cattle too. Kind of the prices weren't as good at that. So my dad got out of cattle and got into hogs. And then, and we had sheep, we had chickens, but for me, it was just something that I was familiar with. I, I enjoyed graduating from vet school. I sort of naively thought that I should do, I should do mixed practice. I should do practice on everything, every species. Once I got out of school, things kind of changed a little bit because I realized that the swine work was really unique and that it's really science driven and focused on finding solutions and really understanding things. So I really like the student projects. I really liked being able to, okay, it's a myco vaccine, well, which one's the best and what timing's the best? And you know, what outcome will I get versus, you know, in small animal, okay, you had a myriad of choices of vaccines, but I didn't necessarily know which one was the best or what exact timing was the best, right? And so being able to really understand and fine tune those things, I found a lot of interest in that and kind of being able to really solve the problem. As we mentioned previously, Dr. Murray is a vet at New Fashion Pork. And if you're familiar with them, you know they cover a lot of territory. Thankfully, Dr. Murray talks to us a bit more about the territory they cover and why. So we are fairly spread out. Um, so we're, you know, all the way from Indiana over to Wyoming and then up to Wisconsin. So we're spread out, but that's more of our sow base than anything. So historically, those were higher biosecurity type areas. So that's where we put our sows and then brought those pigs back to Minnesota, Iowa, where corn was cheaper and more plentiful for nursery and for finishing. Much like Dr. Pillen, Dr. Murray frequents the public speaking arena, and she gives a lot of presentations, one of which, titled Deal Yourself a Good Hand, is the discussion we're going to be having today. Dr. Murray is kind enough to give us a look at her presentation thought process, what this topic is all about, and how it pertains to the swine industry. So for me, I, I kind of like to make a lot of analogies just because it seems like it's easier for people to relate and understand. But a lot of times, you know, you get a group of nursery pigs in and it's like you're playing the hand you're dealt, right? You know, you got to do the best you can with what you have. And, you know, you can either make it a go and, and yeah, maybe the mortality isn't going to be perfect, but you can really keep it at a, at a manageable level. Or, you know, if we don't do the necessary things correct, you know, that can really quickly get out of hand. So that's sort of the playing the hand you're dealt part, right? However, you know, if we deal ourselves a good hand and if we set those animals up so when they arrive to the nursery, they're going to have a really good shot, it makes it a whole lot easier than going forward. Although we don't have time to hear Dr. Murray's entire presentation titled Deal Yourself a Good Hand, we do get a glimpse of what it entails, and she gives us a summary of this presentation and the value it can provide to producers. So, so really that has a lot to do with, you know, how far back do you have control over and how far back can you go, right? So if, you, if you're able to go back to the sow farm, but even more so if you're going back to the multiplier level, so like how are we starting those, those gilts that are going to be sows, right? How are we acclimating those? How are we exposing those? There's certain things that we want exposure to, like rota, because we want to have good immunity when that, when that gilt becomes a sow and pharaohs. There's other things that we might not want a lot of exposure to, like circovirus, right? So it's, it's the kind of the game of preventing some of those bad things, but then exposing things that we want to build immunity for, maybe in a live exposure type route. So starting with the gilts, 
moving on from there to then, you know, continuing that process on your cells, getting your cells vaccinated as well. So then when those pigs are born, so it's really important that that pig get colostrum, but obviously we want that colostrum to contain those antibodies for what those cells were exposed to. And we also want to try to make sure that we give that pig a chance. So that sow still isn't shedding something like circovirus, let's say when those pigs are born. So we want to try to prevent that shedding, provide good colostrum. So get those pigs kind of born right and then colostrum. And then hopefully we can maximize our wean age. So we know that there's been a lot of work and repeatable good work showing the mortality reduction with an older pig, right? So if we can maximize our wean age, get a colostrum, that's going to be sort of playing our best hand, right? That That's dealing ourselves our best hand. So we have our pigs ready to go when they get to the nursery. One of the highlights Dr. Murray prides herself in speaking on is improving nursery performance because there are steps producers can take to achieve this. And Dr. Murray walks us through them. Initially, right, you're going to have your barn sanitation. You know, so that, that's kind of the devil you know, right? It's what the pathogens you had in the barn the previous turn. So if I don't get this clean... I know the last turn had XYZ disease, so I, I can assume I'm probably going to get that again. So what, what can I do to eliminate or reduce that? So it's cleaning barns, it's barn inspections, maybe multiple inspections, um, not just cleaning the, the slats and cleaning the walls and the feeders, but also cleaning the water lines. And we know there's biofilms in the water lines, they can harbor pathogens. So we want to get that done. Uh, we don't want to forget things like the chute or the office or the boots, right? So like doing the whole picture. But so that's kind of step one is getting getting the site clean and getting it ready. I would say step two after that is then, okay, now how do we what do we do to get the site prepared? So we want the barn warmed up. We want um, mats in place. We want brooders in place if it's seasonally necessary. We want to have everything ready, the right feed there for those pigs at that age. So as soon as they come in, that they're in the best environment we can put them in. Um, they can get a drink, they can eat, they can go lay down, and they can have a warm place to stay. Um, so once we get them to that point, um, now, of course, we want to make sure we get our pigs vaccinated, right? So if there's vaccines that we need to give in the nursery, we're going to do that. After that, we want to make sure that we're now continuing to kind of keep that group pr protected, right? So we don't want to bring something in from like, let's say the dead box or outside the facility. So we really want to have good biosecurity and make sure that we're, you know, especially the high risk points, right? Like the dead box and things like that. We want to really make sure we're giving the tools necessary to get that done. So if we need to buy extra dead carts, if we need to get extra dead sleds, whatever is needed so that we reduce that opportunity of that pathogen getting into our nice clean group of pigs that we've done so much work to get to that point. Speaking more about the post weaning process, let's get some ideas on how to make the post weaning transition as easy as possible. For most of our farms, we have the ability to vaccinate the day prior to weaning so that at least that way you can limit the stress on that pig because we know weaning is going to be an incredibly stressful event. So we're trying to kind of separate that out so we don't kind of double up those stressors as much as possible. Um, so we'd vaccinate the day before. Now that's assuming that your wean age, your pig is old enough for that, right? So if you're really pressed on wean age, you might not be able to do that, but hopefully we can have a, a old enough pig that we can. So we vaccinate the day before. A lot of our farms also have a staging room. So then their, their wean event really involves them walking down the hallway. So that's a lot less stressful than, you know, riding a trailer or, you know, that sort of thing, you know, hours, you know, to get to their next site. So then that way they get into that staging room. They kind of learn what feed is, learn what water is. And then they would get taken as a group um, generally two times a week, sometimes three 
to the the nursery. So that helps really mitigate that that stress. Now, not every farm is designed in that way. So there are farms that are going to be, you might have to vaccinate the day before you wean and you might have to just send them on the truck the next day. And that's certainly, that's a possibility as well. But at least splitting those stressors up a little bit does appear to help. And it helps with having less of those non-starter, those hard starting type pigs. As producers make some changes and go through that transition process, it's also pertinent to keep records or data to document those changes, but how can we implement this kind of system? Dr. Murray answers that question for us next. It can be as simple as just keeping an Excel spreadsheet, right? It just It's a matter of, you know, you think you're going to remember it because at the time it's a big deal. So it's like, oh, I don't need to write this down. I'm going to remember it you don't remember it, right? There's so many things going on, new things that are happening. So just having that, you know, from the start, you know, if it's a, it's a, let's say it's a pre-ferro vaccine that you're using or trying, at least recording that. And then you can calculate out pretty quickly, okay, that's going to end up being this nursery that those pigs are going to place at. So then I can kind of keep, I can have that in my notes ahead of time. And so then I have a start date or time. And then later on, if we decide, okay, let's remove that again, then we at least have that period of like, okay, all the way through, these are the nurseries, these are the finishers that I may or may not see a difference in. So it can be as simple as that. I mean, I'm sure there's more complex systems than that that are out there, but at least, you know, keeping track in some way, shape or form, then that way you can go back and at least if you want to do some sampling on those groups, you're not sampling the wrong group or sampling a group that might be mixed of some got vaccine, some didn't, that sort of thing. You know where you stand. Now, as we're talking about research, I think this raises another important question because folks in the industry, such as vets, like Dr. Murray, conduct research on a daily basis but they've had years of experience and training in this arena. So should producers also be conducting research on their operations? The downfall of, of research that's done in academia is, is that it's not comparable to real barn life, right? You have different help, different design of facilities, um, maybe different feed, like everything's different. So so producers doing the research to me is is probably the best because then you're seeing with all the constraints of your system, with your labor, with your water quality, with your barn design, did this help or not? Right. And so that's going to be your by far best, you know, observation, you know, better than somebody else trying something and with their labor and their barn and their everything else that worked great. And then you try it and it's like, oh, I didn't get that result. Well, yeah, because you had a lot of things that were different. So I think producers doing that research in their own facilities with their own constraints, I think is the most meaningful research you can do, but it is, it's labor intensive to do it right. And so, you know, you also have to then be willing to make that investment into the help necessary to get that done. So it's not probably something that would be doable with the normal labor that's in the barn because we want them taking care of the pigs, right? We want them choring. We want them doing their job. So if they've only got so much time in the day and we say, okay, well, now you're going to do this research. Well, then I would expect some of the chores to not probably get done as we would want them to. Well, unfortunately, we're at the end of our conversation here with Dr. Murray, but before we say our goodbyes, she gives us some advice to take home, realize, identify, and implement on our own operations. I would say, number one, I would say make sure to do the basic things well. 
you know, so make sure that we're checking every nipple, make sure our water flow rate is right, make sure the pigs are getting the right diet, make sure that our barns are getting clean, right? So if we do, and we do ventilation correctly, so make sure we do those basic things well. And I think that's at least your foundation, because if some of those things aren't being done right, it's awfully difficult if you try to put in some other change or some other process to know if it had an effect or not, because what if before we weren't doing them right and now we are, all of a sudden that treatment looks great. Well, really it was because we got the basic things done right now. And so, you know, that I would say that would be first and foremost. I think the other thing that's important too is understand what's in your system. You know, understand the bug load in your system, understand the challenges in your system. Your system is going to be unique to everyone else's. And so what works in your system may or may not work in another. So, you know, try to understand that as best you can and then, you know, start peeling back the onion, right? So, you've, okay, I found these five things. All right, I'm going to tackle item number one. Then I'm going to tackle two, three, four, down to five. Once you get to that point, you know what? Now a few more things may surface and, and that's okay, right? Because now we've kind of taken the, the low-hanging fruit out and now we can kind of uncover, okay, what else might be there? And now we can tackle that. But, you know, it's, it's never a job that's done, right? But as you're in that kind of tackling these problems, don't forget if the basic things aren't getting done right, it's probably all for nothing. Well, that does it for this installment of the PigX podcast. And although change can be scary, Dr. Pillen helped us to overcome some of those fears today and dig into some changes that should be made in the swine production system. Then we chatted with Dr. Murray, who gave us a closer look at her presentation titled, Deal Yourself a Good Hand. I think it's safe to say we learned a lot from this episode and we'll continue to learn and grow here on the PigX Podcast, so be sure to join us next month. Until then, I'm your host, Delaney Howell, and this has been the PigX Podcast. PigX is a national podcast hosted by the Pig Livability Project partners at Iowa State University, Kansas State University, and Purdue, and supported by the Iowa Pork Industry Center. For more information on the project, head to www.piglivability.org, or to inquire directly with questions regarding the project, email ipic at iastate.edu. PigX ideas in the swine industry worth sharing.